I'm going to do something a little different today. I'm going to, um, I'm going to share some stories of what God's doing. God is on the move. The fact that we're in here today, look around you. Look around you. The narrative is that the church is dying and this building is becoming more and more and more and more and more full. The church is alive. God is moving in our city. People have a growing openness to want to see God move in their lives. And if you're new here today, I'm going to... um, I'm going to be probably getting quite sweaty, quite passionate. I'm going to be using terms like set on fire. And if you're new here today or you've just come, that, that, that basically means to be set on fire for God isn't a violent thing. We don't believe it's a hurtful, harmful thing. We believe it means to be full of God, full of God's presence, which is love, kindness, peace, joy, gentleness, vision, dreams, everything that fulfills us as human beings. We believe that that's what it means to be set on fire for God. So I'm going to be using terms like set on fire for God, encountering God, which means just to meet him. And God is on, God is on the move, which means that God is doing something. God is doing something and we can taste it and we can see it and we can feel it. Is that all right? Yeah. Disclaimer one, over. So I want to start with this picture. This picture sums up everything I want to say today. This is the album cover. Who knows what this is? Who knows what this is? That is shockingly low. <laughs> We're going to be running streams soon at Trinity. We're going to do a stream on music, history, and education. This is the album cover of Wish You Were Here by the greatest band of the 20th century, Pink Floyd. Not up for debate, not arguably the greatest band of the 20th century. This album was in the charts for 780 weeks, which I I can't even figure how many years that is, but I know it's over 10. It's over 10. <laughs> and these great 20th century philosophers released Wish You Were Here with this album cover. And this sits in my study. I, I have a study and I have a little chair I pray in and a desk I write at. I'm, I'm very fortunate. I've got, I've got a lovely study. No kids yet, you see. So. <laughs> and, and it sits on the wall. This picture, this album cover sits on the wall. And for me, whether, whether Dave Gilmore and Roger Waters knew this or not, but it has such a prophetic significance. This is what I want my life to look like in Jesus. I want to be so set on fire for God and just sent out to me to shake hands with the world. Whether it's the individual, whether it's groups of people, whether it's you sat here. I want to be set on fire for God. I want it to be impossible for people not to catch sight of God, not to sense something of God's love, not to sense something of his spirit and his presence and his goodness and his kindness when they come into contact with me. I want it to be impossible for people not to encounter God when they encounter George. I want that for you. I want that for all of us, wherever you work, whatever you do, whatever your life looks like, whether you're at a high ebb and you're feeling full of joy, yeah! Or whether... You're struggling at the moment. My desire for your life, Johnny and Amy's desire for your life, their desire for my life, part of our reason that we've been here is because our desire is to see you set others on fire in Jesus' name, whatever you are, whatever you're doing. And I feel as if, at the moment, I'm going through this time of personal renewal. I feel like at the moment God's setting me on fire in a new way and I feel like you know I got ordained last year I've been with you guys for almost a year now but I feel it's something I haven't felt for a while I feel something new it feels like there's something in me that's being reawoken and something that's just being added on which is brand new 
And really, it, it centers around this question, and this is the cool, cool question I want to ask today. Do I, do we, believe that Jesus is the best thing we have to offer? Oh, I love that answer. Do I believe that the best thing I can bring to the world, the best thing I can bring to my friends, to my marriage, to people I meet randomly in coffee shops, is me full of God's spirit? Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Do you believe the best thing you can do is to be set on fire and sent out into the world? Do I believe that as your curate, as your cure of souls? Do I believe the best thing I can give all of you is to pray? It's to know God and love God and be so full of God that I can be present in our conversations, that I can preach a word, not just from Scripture, not just from the letter, but from the Spirit. That's my desire. Do we believe that? And like I say, God is moving. God is moving. I was was thinking recently, you know, God asked me a question I felt when I was praying, and he said, George, what if you did half the things you do in your life but prayed about them twice as much? What if you did half of the things you fill your schedule with but prayed about them twice as much? One of the things I lead at Trinity, which I love every week, if you haven't come yet, you are always welcome, is prayer on the streets. Wednesday mornings at 9.30 a.m., we go out and we pray for an hour, a little over an hour, actually. And usually this has looked like you know, us, us praying a little bit, us saying a few things, us recognizing that God exists, really, and then heading out on the streets for the best part of an hour. And the Lord spoke to me so clearly. He said, no, I want you to spend half of the time that you guys have on those Wednesday mornings praying. I want you to spend half an hour praying. I want you to spend a short amount of time on the street because my promise to you is I'm going to pour out my spirit. I'm going to pour out my my presence in even more power. We've had an amazing time. For those of you that have been, it's been amazing. We've been able to go out into the city and to encounter people and just say, hey, look, I know this may sound strange. This may sound weird, but we're from a church up the road and we just want to know if you want prayer for anything today. And we prayed for some people. We've seen some miraculous things happen. People who, who have been, been sick, who have had family members who have been sick, people who have been uh, stuck in cycles of anxiety, people who just want, want to see a dream in their heart fulfilled. We've seen amazing things happen. But I read Acts. And I know there's more. Gosh, it so matters to be kind. It so matters in our culture to give someone an encouraging word. Don't hear me wrong. That so matters. But I don't see enough healings, folks. I don't see enough words of knowledge, if you like, prophetic words, things that God tells us about people that only he could know so that they would know that he knows them. Does that make any sense? I haven't seen enough of that. I haven't seen enough salvation. I wasn't brought up in this. Our kids, you know how lucky our kids are to be brought up in a Christian home. I love my parents, but the only reason I'm here was because someone invited me. Because someone said, the offer of Jesus that you held out to me in my life is for you as well. Come along. That's why I'm here. I want to see more salvation. I want to see more people come to know Jesus. Do you want that? Do you want that? There's more. There's more. There's so much more. And so we said, okay, well, we want to spend half our time praying. We want to go out on the streets expecting, believing that God is going to do something even more incredible. He's going to surpass our wildest expectations. 
And so on Wednesday, I'm just going to share a couple of short stories, but on Wednesday, we were praying. Myself, John Alar, Anna, our wonderful kids, Pastor, and Dee, Dee Roberts, ladies and gentlemen. And the four of us got in the room, and we, we, we just began to pray. We began to pray in this half an hour, and we didn't really know what was going to happen. But the Lord started to give us particular words. Some of you might be familiar with this. Some of you, this might be wacky as. But the Lord started to give us words, and I was taken down on a note, and he was speaking through different people in the room, words like pink hair, a poorly leg, a broken heart, rainbow, a rainbow coat, crooked teeth even. No judgment. It's just the word that he gave us. And so we started to take these down on the notes. And we went out and we just felt, before anything else, can I just tell you, we just felt full of God. We just felt so full of God, full of his love. And so we went out and we split up and went two by two. <laughs> Disciples went two by two. And we went two by two. And, and, we, and we, we headed out towards the city. And let me tell you, there are some time, there are some days where... You walk out to the city and you ask a couple of people. They may be very polite, they may be very kind, but they just say, no, I'm not interested. No, I wouldn't like prayer, but thanks so much for asking. And usually, you know, I put on a pretty good show because I'm leading the team, you guys. So I put on a pretty good show and I'm full of faith, don't worry about that. But secretly, I'm like, oh, that does hurt a little bit to start with so many no's. I tell you what, we walked down the road, myself and Dee, and we had no, 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 no. We don't want anything. No, 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 no. Didn't scupper us one bit. We felt so full of God. It didn't even bother us. It didn't bother me to the level that it usually did. We just kept on going. We said, Lord, we believe you've called us out here this morning. Went up to a bunch of builders. Always go to the group that intimidates you the most. As a skinny G, skinny G, skinny jean, metrosexual artist. Groups of builders do... do um, Scare me a bit. But they said, you know, we had a great conversation, but they said no. But it just didn't hit us. We knew Jesus was up to something. We knew the Holy Spirit wanted us out that morning. And so we, we, got to, um, we got to sort of the beginning of the high street where you step over by John Lewis. And we said to the Lord, just show us, Lord. Show us the people you want us to pray for. And immediately we saw one woman with a crutch and a limp. And we thought, wait, on, wait a second. We, heard, we felt something about a, a poorly leg, right? You guys remember me saying that? Great, not just me. I had it on the note. And so we went over to this lady and we said, look, this might sound really strange, but we're from a church just up the road, and every Wednesday morning we just wander around and see if people want prayer for anything. This is now going to sound really weird. Before we went out, we were praying, and we believed that God told us we were going to meet, meet, meet someone whose leg was in pain, or had a, had a poorly leg. And, um, and then we saw you and you know, showed her the note and everything on my, on my phone. And said, you know, we met you, and you don't want to make you feel uncomfortable. We don't want to be overly intense, anything like that. But we really feel like, you know, maybe you'd want prayer today. And immediately, this woman started welling up. Immediately. She said, yes, you can pray for me. Yes, you can pray for me. And it was raining, wasn't it? So she sort of fumbled about with umbrellas and just started praying for God's healing upon this woman. For God to pour out his spirit, for God to do what seems impossible to us, what seems impossible to her, for him to pour out his spirit. And as we were praying, um, the Lord gave one of us a word about, um, and, you know, we were able to say, I just get a sense that maybe, maybe you have a son that you're worried about. And it turned out that this woman had an older son that she was so anxious about losing sleep over because he was getting involved in crime. 
And we're about to say, you know, we just feel like God's got his hand on him, that God wants to make all things new, that he wants to redeem that situation. We just believe that God wants to move in your son's life as well as yours. And we started praying for her son. And at this point, that she's weeping. She's encountering God right in the middle of the street. And we just said, you know what, before we go, we had an amazing conversation with her, prayed for different things. Before we go, we'd just love for you to pray that you'd be filled with the Holy Spirit. She said, yes! <laughs> By this point, she was pumped. She wasn't leaping like the crippled man in the story, but she was ready! She wanted more than I want most Sunday mornings because she'd encounter God. So we prayed for her to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then we sort of thought, well, Lord, thank you. We've got a good story. (laughs) Something for the prayer meeting, some fodder for the future book. No, I'm joking. We didn't feel that. And as we, and as we turned around, we said, you know, Lord, you know, if this is, this is all you want to do this morning, this is enough. What a beautiful moment. If this is all you want to do this morning. We are satisfied. And we turned around. And if you remember the first word we were given by God was pink hair. We turned around. We immediately encountered three people with pink hair. So we go over to the first lady with pink hair, and, and we were able to say, look, we were praying this morning, it's going to sound really weird, I don't know if you're religious, we know there's a lot of nonsense talked about religion, but the truth of faith, the truth of Christianity is that Jesus knows you, he loves you, he wants to transform your life, and we believe that he sent us into this city this morning because he wants to meet with you right here, right by John Lewis on the wet streets of Nottingham. And this woman, she was just, she was just amazed when we were saying this, and we were able to just share the gospel with her and just say, you know, you're loved, you're so loved, and her husband with her, and then we kept walking. And there was another girl with pink hair. And we just said, we, we, we felt like we were going to bump into people this morning who had pink hair. And this girl just stopped in her tracks. Her jaw hit the floor. She said, I knew something significant was going to happen today, but I never thought it would be this. And by this point, she's just nestled into D, <laughs> like into her chest, just hugging her. And we're just praying for her. She was an art. We were praying over her art, the rest of it. And we were just saying, you know, the offer, the offer for you today, you know, just like, just like James and, sorry, uh, Peter and John in our story, the offer isn't for nothing. It's not to have a sensational, mystical experience, is it? Do you think it's by our power that we do these things? Do you think it's by our preference that we're out on the streets when it's raining? No, it's because Jesus wants to reveal himself, because Jesus is holding out an offer to you to know him. We were able to say that to her. And we prayed for her, and she encountered God. And we prayed for another girl with pink hair. You know, you, you know you're in a special place when sensational things become, like, repetitive. <laughs> but a girl called Daisy, amazing, prayed for her exams. And she was um, just was amazing. It's amazing. God is moving. God is moving. He wants to pour out more of his presence in our everyday lives. It doesn't mean you have to come out on the streets and evangelize. But it does look like someone catching the fire that God wants to birth in you. It does look like that. I have a prayer that sits by my um, prayer chair in my study. Anyone else have a prayer chair? It's not a requirement, but um, it's, it's, it is helpful. It is helpful. And this prayer sits by my prayer chair. I think it's, it should come up on the slide. And this is the prayer of St. Aidan. It says, leave me alone with God as much as may be. Some people are like, amen. Leave me alone with God as much as may be. As the tide draws the waters close in upon the shore, make me an island set apart 
alone with you, God, holy to you. Then with the turning of the tide, prepare me to carry your presence to the busy world beyond, the world that rushes in on me till the waters come again and fold me back to you. Isn't that beautiful? It's one of my favorite prayers ever. And St. Aidan, you know, if you're interested, I think, I think, it's, um, I think this is interesting. He was, he was sort of known in his time, 7th century saint. He was known in his time as the Apostle of England. Someone once wrote that if Augustine was the Apostle to Kent, the second greatest county in England, by the way, then St. Aidan was the Apostle to England. And he was credited with restoring Christianity to the whole of Northumbria. His name, <laughs> I love this, his name literally means little fiery one. Lord, make me a little fiery one. Lord, make me a large fiery one. Ugh. <laughs> and St. Aidan used to walk around, <laughs> used to walk around villages, and, it was very, and, he, and he would just have, and I just really want you to hear this, he would just have ordinary conversations with people. He was known for walking around towns and villages, just, just, just speaking to people, just talking to them about their day, their life, rich or poor, Gentile or believer. He would just speak to them, and then as they were talking and conversing, as he was just showing kindness and interest in their lives, he would just start to talk about faith. Then as he started to talk about faith, he would hold out an invitation for people, and people would accept it, because they caught fire of the fire that was already burning in St. Aidan. You know, like, I think we sometimes think that, that you know, we hear something like credited with restoring Christianity to Northumbria, that it must have looked like sensational things. Actually, it's just like one man setting himself on fire every morning, getting before the Lord, praying earnestly for the Holy Spirit, praying earnestly for his community, and then going out having conversations. All of us can do that. All of us can do that. It said, um, the venerable Bede said of him, he was one to traverse both town and country on foot, never on horseback, he makes a point of saying, unless compelled by some urgent necessity. And wherever in his way he saw any, either rich or poor, he invited them. He invited them. Kate and I saw some friends um, a couple days ago from a church where um, I used to work in London. And this thing of invitation got me thinking, this thing about just giving a simple invitation to someone into the way of faith. And, And there's one particular guy, and he's called George. And I call him, you know that I mean this when I say this, I call him Big George. He's enormous. Now, does anyone, has anyone watched the film The Green Mile? John Coffey? This is, this is my friend George. Big George is Nigerian, he's huge, he's ripped, and he worked in Tower Hamlets as a street cleaner. And as I was walking around one day, we were inviting people to Alpha, and we had... Um, we had these tickets, sorry folks, burst the bubble there, the ticket idea isn't new for Trinity. And we had these tickets that we were going around just inviting people. And, and I saw George, hard guy to miss, and I saw him on the street. And I went over to him and said, look, mate, I know you're working, I can see you're working, you know, he had his overalls on, his high vis. But we're running this thing at our church um, called Alpha. And, and basically, we, we just we have a meal together. It's completely free. And then we spend some time talking about life and faith and the big questions um, of, of Christianity. And I gave him this ticket, and he just stood exactly still. And I thought that he just basically hadn't understood what I said or I'd talked too quickly or whatever. Do you know what he said to me? He said, you're inviting me. You're inviting me. 
The attitude I have to Alpha merch is that I usually can't give it away. Not that someone's bewildered by someone being able to give them an invitation. So do you want me to come? you want me to eat, have a meal with you, and talk with you and some other people? I said, yeah, yeah, of course we do. And he was just so moved by it. His eyes started welling up. I can see him now by his, by his cart in, in Tower Hamlets. And he came on the first week of Alpha. He came to every single of the 11 weeks of Alpha. And then he started coming to church. And he met with Jesus. And we saw our friends the other day who were still at that church. And I said, how's Big George? Is he still there? And they said, yeah, he's still there. Turns up every Sunday in his suit. Prays for people, encounters God. Do you want to know how that happened in his life? He was given an invitation. He was given an invitation. That's the city alive, folks, by the way. So St. Aidan, part one. I want to talk about this, what God's stirring in me at the moment, as if I haven't already been doing that. But I just want to look at the first line of this prayer of St. Aidan. Leave me alone with God as much as may be. The first sign of God doing something significant in your life is that you just want to be with him. You get excited to pray. You get excited to read scripture. The words of the gospel start jumping off the page to you. You you know, I've, I've been waking up earlier. I do not do mornings. I do not do mornings, speak to Kate afterwards, and she will tell you the gruesome reality of me before about 8 o'clock. It is awful, but I'm hungry for God. You know, God is filling me in such a way that I can't wait to get downstairs and start praying. I want to pray about my day. I want to bring God's presence into everything that I do. The first sign that God is renewing us and reviving us is that he is enough. He's enough for us. He fully satisfies us. You know, Tuesday nights, I've been, I've been just giving this time just to pray and read scripture, just a specific time uh, in my day, because I, I realize that being a professional Christian now, I spend a lot of time reading scripture really with an end. You know, that's not always bad, but there's always a sermon or a meeting to run or, um, well, maybe not run, that's Johnny and Amy's job, but a meeting to do, you know, to lead. And, and, the, and so you can get into this way of sort of, I can sort of overanalyze it. It can always be a means to an end for me. And I thought, oh, I don't want that relationship with prayer. I don't want that relationship with scripture where it's just transactional. And so I gave these two notes. I said, oh, Lord, I just want you to just speak. I just want to, I just want to just be joyful and love scripture again. So I've been doing these Tuesday nights and, and recently in these Tuesday nights I've just started praying before I picked up my Bible. I'm just weeping. I'm just weeping and I'm just I'm, I'm shouting in my study. Kate's not in fortunately but I'm shouting out in my study, Lord whatever it takes would you move in my lifetime. Lord my name is George which means worker of the earth. Let me sow seeds for revival in my generation. Let me see my friends and my family. Let me see the people I walk past every day come to know you. You start to get broken. You start to hunger for God in a new way. And this is, you know, God has to be enough. Like Johnny was saying last week, the Westminster Catechism says that the chief end, the ultimate purpose, the goal of human existence is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. So of course the first symptom of him reviving us would be that we want to be with him because that's our eternal destiny. When you're ordained um, a deacon in the Church of England, which Johnny will make very clear, I'm a deacon and not a priest yet. Um, and <laughs> priesting soon, priesting soon. And when you're ordained a deacon, and this is, you know, this is, by the way, a commandment to all of us as Christians. One of the descriptions you have, and I have this in my wallet, is that a deacon seeks nourishment from prayer and scripture. Now, that's not for someone that's ordained in a dog collar. That's for all of us. You know, the, the disciple, the Christian, is someone who seeks nourishment 
in prayer and scripture. Not Netflix. Not social media. Not careerism. Not the next rung on the ladder, the next table that you're not sat at. Not even ambition. God can fill all of those things. Do we seek our nourishment from prayer and scripture? Do I seek that? God's working on me in that way. Are you all still with me? Yeah, good. And another part that I just really want to say quickly, and this was brought up with a dear friend of mine, is that when God starts filling you, you begin to celebrate what God is doing. You begin to celebrate God moving, whether you can take the credit for it or not. When God's moving in my life, I don't care if the next greatest thing is done by someone else. I don't care if he's just blessing someone else's ministry. I just care that God's moving. Lord, would we have that attitude to our churches in our city? Would we have that attitude to the people we compare ourselves to? You know, the best way to break comparison is to celebrate God's presence in someone else's life. To celebrate God's gifting on someone else, his vocation upon their life. You begin to celebrate where God is moving, irrelevant of whether you get the credit, irrelevant of whether you're involved, irrelevant if anyone will ever know your name. The question, you know, we talk, we talk about revival. We, you know, the church on fire and the city alive, we, 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 we extrapolate this vision every week. We talk, you talk about things like revival, like a city becoming alive, becoming awake to the goodness of God, to the presence of God. But I realize that, you know, however I imagine that to look, and I, and I have no idea, by the way, I've no idea what revival will look like in Nottingham. I've no idea the kind of streams and things God is going to use to unlock his spirit in our city. I believe he'll use our church, but I believe he'll use things we haven't even thought of yet. I've got no idea, no concept of what that's practically going to look like. It's going to look like people coming to know Jesus. It's going to look like people being healed. It's going to look like people being rescued and set free from addiction and pain and suffering and all that kind of stuff. But... Is my life at the moment a representation of what I think that's going to look like? Is, my life at the, is the life I'm living at the moment an individual example of what I think revival will look like? Am I set on fire in the kind of way that I believe God wants to set our city on fire? Not literally, of course, spiritually. So prayer of St. Aidan, longing to be with him at the beginning of our scripture, Acts chapter 3. What does it say? It says that Peter and John, now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer at three o'clock. They were off to pray, weren't they? They were hungry for God. They were filled with God's spirit. And so, of course, they were heading to the temple to pray. But the second part, the second part of this prayer of St. Aidan is then prepare me to carry your presence to the busy world belong. Uh, sorry, to prepare me to carry your presence to the busy world beyond And this is the second part of that scripture, isn't it? When they, when they encounter the crippled man. Let's have a look at this. This is um, verse 6. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold. I am a pastor. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. They were off to prayer. They were so filled with God's spirit that all they wanted to do was be with him. They were off to the temple to pray, and yet God intersected this routine 
and said, actually, the fire that you're carrying is for someone else. I have a plan, before you even get there, for someone else to encounter me through you. And that's what it looked like, going out into the world with his presence. What we do have, we give to you. We don't have silver or gold. We might not have the answer to your every problem and your every need, but what we do have is Jesus. We believe he does. We believe that he can enter any situation and bring goodness and life out of it, no matter how dark it is. We don't have silver or gold, but we do have, we give to you. We're filled not just to become more content in God, not just to make, become more hungry for God, but to come, become more hungry to see God move in our city. You know, I, um, I, when I became a Christian, it was through, through a band I was in, and there was a guy called Jack in this band. And I was drawn to faith initially, not because Jack said anything or did anything or invited me to an apologetics event, however good those things are. I was, I was attracted to Jack because he was attractive. I mean, he was handsome. I don't mean physically attractive. I mean, he was attractive because, because God was doing something in his life. I remember, even, I remember being 14, 15 years old, no Christian background, and there was just all of us agreed there was something different about Jack. He was actually quiet. He wasn't an extrovert. He was one of the quieter ones. Wasn't a performer. Wasn't showy. I was attracted to the, to the presence of God within him. This is how our city comes alive. I'm going to finish with this. My dream for the city is that people would be set on fire exactly as they are where they are. God meets us exactly where we are. You know, like we, we can have all the plans we want, but the best people to see people come to faith in a coffee shop are people that own coffee shops who have met with Jesus. <laughs> the best person, if you're working in business, to see God move in a boardroom is you because you're already in business. God wants to set you on fire in the place you already are. You know, that may then look like being sent somewhere. It may look like a, a vocation that sends you somewhere else. But it does look like being filled with presence where we are. You know, I, I just, I, more and more now, I just pray, not just for all of us in this room, but for every Christian in this city. Lord, I pray today that every single Christian in this city, wherever they're working, whatever they're doing, whether they're out of work or in work, I pray that their faith would just increase, that they would believe more of what God wants to do in their workplace. They would believe about, more about how God can use them in their everyday and in their routine. I believe that for the arts, by the way. I believe that God wants to send his spirit in such a way that people become Christians through the arts. You know, sometimes people have become so dulled to the gospel, so dulled to Christianity, that the only way people can really hear it is through good art. Art that doesn't come out of a place of pretense, but comes out of the place of prayer, where God has filled it. Songs that are written from the prayer room, films that are made from the prayer room, architectural designs that are thought of in the prayer room. I believe God wants to pour his spirit out. Friedrich Nietzsche, a great atheist, said that, that Johann Sebastian Bach said that one who has forgotten Christianity completely one who thinks it's irrelevant, untrue, of no use in their life, hears it again as gospel in his music. Gosh, I want the arts to do that. I want people to encounter God through art, not just piggyback off the latest cultural trend, not just piggyback on the latest music genre, but set, just, you know, set the standard again. Be ahead of the curve. Like, we are plugged into the most creative being that has ever lived. 
The most creative being you can even imagine saying that even is ridiculous. What had happened in the beginning? God created out of the Trinity, out of him, in of himself, he begins to create. If you're an artist in here, if you're a writer, if you're a musician, if you're an architect, if you have anything in the arts, can you just stand up? Please, just like right now, can you just stand up? If you're a musician, if, you have, if you're passionate about the arts, you have a calling to that, just stand up. Can we just put a hand out to these guys and just pray for God's presence and spirit upon them? Lord, we pray, pour your spirit out upon these people. Lord, we pray for art that proclaims your goodness. Lord, we pray for art that proclaims your gospel, Father. Lord, we pray that more and more people will come to know you through songs played in music venues, through buildings built in your name, Father, through books written, through poems inspired, through films made. Father, we just pray, pour your spirit out right now. We pray that all of these people will begin to make art out of of the overflow of what you're doing in their life. Set them on fire. Set them on fire, Lord. Set them on fire. Set them on fire. There's some more of you that this, this calling's been stirring in your heart to be an artist. You haven't stood up yet. You know, maybe it doesn't look like anything yet, but you do feel you have the heart of a creative and an artist. I believe you, some people in here who make things, who craft things, just stand up right now. We want to pray for you as well. Thank you, Jesus. We just pray for more of your spirit, Lord. More of your spirit, Lord. More of your spirit. Jesus. Jesus. Father, pour out your presence. Pour out your presence, Father. We pray for places of creativity to be consecrated in your name, to be dedicated as places of worship. Father, we pray, pour your creative energy and your power into these guys. That they'll just be sent out into the world to change it, to see it, see it change for your glory, for your goodness, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't we just keep praying, actually? If, you're, if, you're, if, you're, if the Lord's doing something, why don't we keep praying? I'm just going to call out some other groups as well. My dream for the city exists also in the boardroom, in the office. And if, you, and if, you, if you're in a, in a position where either you own a business or you're in a corporate context or in the office, would you just stand now? And we're just going to pray for you. I was speaking to a friend the other day who more and more, he's a Christian, and more and more after high-level meetings, he's, he's meeting with people and just giving them words that the Lord's speaking into their life. He's seen God's spirit poured out at HSBC and Deloitte and J.P. Morgan. If, you're, if that's part of your calling, if that's where you work, can you stand up? Please, we just want to pray for God's presence upon you and his spirit upon you. Can we do healthcare as well? As we were praying for Jonathan. You know, if you work in healthcare, if you're a medical professional, would you stand, please? I just want God to pour his spirit out on you. If you're a nurse or a doctor or a porter or whatever, if you have any job in healthcare. Father, we pray, pour your presence out, pour your spirit out, set on fire these people. Father, set them on fire for you, set them ablaze, Father. We pray that people more and more would go out of hospitals, not just with healing, but with wholeness, with wholeness that they can only find in the transforming power of your spirit. Father, we pray for that. Father, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And I just want to ask for those people as well who have disqualified themselves from feeling like God can move in their life. I feel like there's particularly there's a group of Christians and you've been a Christian a really long time and you've almost shut off to the Holy Spirit a little bit. That you've become, you know, I, can I tell you that I feel that because I've done that? And if you're a Christian here today and, you, and almost you've thought that your spiritual maturity means becoming less open to God, there's no shame here. Can you just stand? I just want God to fill you. I believe there's like three or four of you in that category. I just want God to fill you with his presence. Father, set these people on fire. Lord, whatever it takes, Lord, we want to be set on fire for you. We want to see your presence move in power. 
Father, change our city, Father. I pray for dreams now that are birthed, that start changing the city tomorrow when we get into work. Songs that are written, that that form this week, that are going to release your goodness into the world. As we're praying for these guys, can I just ask everyone else um, that isn't standing to stand? I'm just going to pray that we're all set on fire and filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to finish with this. This passage, Peter and John, they say, don't they, gold or silver we do not have, what we do have we give to you. You know, one of the, Brian said this the other day, didn't he, the one requirement of being filled with God's Spirit is recognizing our lack and our emptiness, coming empty. Like you, I even feel some of you replace gold and silver. Gold or silver I do not have. What is it for you at the moment? You know, finance and power I do not have. The right living situation I do not have. The right relationship I do not have. But what I do have I give to you. So why don't we just pray for the Holy Spirit just to come now and then we're going um, to finish. So just put your hands out in front of you. I'm just going to pray that God sets every single one of us on fire. Father, Lord, we... The best thing that could possibly happen this morning isn't some stories that I've told being remembered. Not some words that I've spoken, Father, but but, but being touched by your spirit, by being set on fire for you. And I pray, Father, that every single person in this room now, everyone that is stood, everyone that's open to you, would you fill them with your presence? Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus.